if you noticed, but but Halloween is is coming in this whole idea of the of the spirit realm. Even though even, even a lot of people I don't think realize that. I don't think they really recognize. I mean, it's a fun it's a fun um, time for them. They decorate and have all of these ghosts and and I, I really don't know what my my um, my neighbor is doing right now. This year he has added Elvis to his front porch. I have no idea what Elvis has to do with the rest of the decorations he has in his yard. I mean, there are tombstones, and there are ghosts flying from trees, and there are, there are uh, bodies hanging by their necks. I mean, it's the whole deal. You know, there's spiderweb. It's the whole deal. And then in the midst of all of that, there's Elvis. I, I, I'm still, I, I'm really tempted to go knock on his door and, and just ask him, what's Elvis got to do with everything else? But I'm afraid of him. So that's, that's I, I, I just, um, no, I'm not really afraid of him. He's a great guy. But uh, yes, in Boston. Yeah, no, Boston would have more trouble with him. Uh, than me. So um, anyway, no, they're really great neighbors. I'm just playing. Uh, but it is kind of funny that, that how people in this time of year, it kind of brings out the spirit realm. Like I said, even if they don't realize, it kind of brings out the spiritual. And so I thought it'd be a great time for us to talk about the true spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And I thank God for the work of the Holy Spirit in the world in which we live right now. That the Holy Spirit didn't check out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot of people that... that um, you know, they kind of shy away from this. They have an understanding of, of, of God as Father. They, they recognize uh, that work and pretty comfortable with that. And then, of course, um, they recognize uh, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. They recognize that and are really comfortable with that. But then you get to talking about the Holy Spirit, and they go, now, now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Because the Holy Spirit biblically is the divine executive. The Holy Spirit biblically is God in action among people. And when you think about that, I mean the Spirit hovering um, over creation and, and creation taking place because of the work of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the Spirit hovering. And how many of you know that the Spirit is still creating? Hallelujah. And then you look throughout Scripture and you see that, that God is moving among people, and there's a whole group of people that say, you know what, I, I, I'm real comfortable with the Father, I'm real comfortable with the Son, but I'm not so comfortable with the Holy Spirit because, um, you know, what's He going to do? And then there are others that say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit just doesn't act like that anymore. You know, those things you read about in the Scripture are for them, they're not for us. And they'll say all kind of things about that. Say, well, God no longer speaks to people. We, we don't need him to speak because we have the word. We have the, the canon writ. And so we don't need uh, the Holy Spirit to speak anymore. So there's no point in believing in revelation. Or there's no point in believing in that moving of the Holy Spirit because um, it's unnecessary. How many of you would recognize, though, that in a service like today, when the Holy Spirit sneaks up beside you and says, it is well. <laughs> oh, how desperately we need the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into our life. You know, I mean, there's others say, well, you know, miracles are for, for back then, or, or revelation is 
for back then, and they kind of put the Holy Spirit back there. But can I say to us today that the Holy Spirit did not go out of business at the death of the last apostle? <laughs> he didn't, he didn't want well, to say they hang up his shingle, you know, or, or take it down, take down his shingle. The Holy Spirit didn't quit. And I mean, I'm very thankful that today we can believe in and expect an active participation of the Spirit of God in our lives. And we've been keying off of John 16, verse 12. I have much more to say to you. Jesus said, more than you can now bear, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Then Jesus said, He will not speak on His own, but He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you, what is yet to come. I, I think that it is very important for us to recognize that today in our world and in our life, we still need the guiding presence of the Holy Spirit working among us. I mean, really, what would life be like? I, I wouldn't even want to imagine it, what life would be like if I didn't believe and expect the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into my life and guiding me into those truths that I am not able to grasp on my own. Helping me to do the things that He is bidding me to do. Helping me to go to the places that He is calling me to go. Helping me to be the person that He is molding me in the image of Christ to be. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I've said this every week and I... I can't help but emphasize it again. There is a guiding of the Holy Spirit that not only illuminates truth, it enables truth. And it not only enables truth, but it empowers truth in our life. It empowers truth. It, it causes us to be able to live in a way that we cannot live without the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit working on our behalf. Some of those ways, and we've discussed them in this series, is that in the Holy Spirit there is righteousness, the ability to do the right thing. In the Holy Spirit there is peace. Not a circumstantial peace, not a peace that is contingent on what this world is dictating to us, but a peace that rests solely in God to recognize that when I can't find peace anywhere else, I can trust in the peace that comes by the Holy Spirit. Then last week we talked about the joy of the Holy Spirit. And not some giddy, uh, laughy kind of joy, but an abiding presence of God that, calls a, that causes a, a, a settled calm within us. And, and we, we talked about it being a calm delight. A calm delight. That, it, that it, it's, not, it's not this fleeting moment, but it is standing in the midst of a circumstance and recognizing that everything's going to be all right. So don't worry about a thing. I can tell none of you listen to reggae. Every little thing going to be all right. Okay, forget it. The rest of you are saying, I wasn't born when you were anyway. You know what I want to talk about today, and I think that it is very important for us to look into the Word of God and recognize how the Holy Spirit works in its, in its various dimensions for us. And whether or not we are 
actually willing to embrace these things in our life, I want to talk to you today about the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, what does this mean? I, I understand that, that, that some people have made the idea of the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit into an exclusive experience, and, and, and others have turned it into a controversial experience to the point that, that people even will denounce it. And, and I really don't want to join in the fray today, but what I do know from experience and from biblical example that the infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit is real and it is available to every believer. This is what I do know. John the Baptist made this declaration concerning Jesus in Matthew 3.11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you. He will, he will immerse you. Baptism means to make fully whelmed or to immerse as as having a highly significant religious experience. To be fully whelmed. I mean, one of the, one of the, the greatest examples of the idea of baptism is, is water baptism by immersion. When someone goes down fully into the water where they are completely consumed, where, where their entire body, where everything is completely surrounded by this water, and it's a tremendous Example of being fully whelmed by, by the Holy Spirit in our life. That we would be baptized. That we would be submerged in His presence. And I will tell you that that is, that is no light thing. That is no little thing. That is a powerful thing working in our life. To be fully whelmed. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, praise God, everybody's quiet for the moment. You know, I think that, I think that, and please understand with me, I come from, you know, a, a Pentecostal experience. Personally, was raised in a Pentecostal denomination that, um, that believed so emphatically about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that, that, that it was taught among us that, that you weren't even saved unless you had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and 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 it really it created it created a fear in people really it it created a thing about the Holy Spirit that said uh, there was almost like a you know it was so it was so much tension involved with the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I mean you had to get it and if you didn't get it you know a train was going to run over you tonight and you would go to hell and, and it was a fearful thing. And, and can I say that, that I think that that's somewhat out of balance in people's lives, that people put these expectations on the Baptist Holy Spirit to take it away from it being a gift and turning it into, into something that is like a, like a threat? Okay. Can I say that, that the Baptist Holy Spirit is not a threat? You know, people, are, people get afraid of it because of, of, of different ones that have imposed this where, where you know, it's just such a, a heavy thing. Can I say today that, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful experience? It's a powerful experience? 
That when John the Baptist said Jesus would come to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and, and then he said with fire, that is a significant of the fire on, of sacrifice, that, that there would be a fire of passion inside of you that would be totally committed to God, that would be totally committed to the work of God. What an idea. I mean, who wouldn't want that? What an idea that, that we could be fully whelmed by the Holy Spirit that would cause us to be fully devoted to the things of God, that we'd be filled with the passion of God in our life and the fire of God burning deep within our souls. I think the idea of this is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit causes us to be fully consumed. baptism of the Holy Spirit then when we understand how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and this is where I would I would draw that line of difference from where I came from to where I am today in theology is that is that is that there is a filling of the Holy Spirit that comes at conversion and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an overflow of that spirit that has been received by faith 1 Corinthians 12, 3 stands out to me. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. But listen to this next line. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. I mean, when we read Romans 10, 8 through 10, that declares to us that salvation comes by, by believing in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you kind of begin to understand the dynamic of what that means. I mean, the Holy Spirit is hovering over an individual, and at that point of conversion, the Holy Spirit floods that life and enables that person to say, Jesus is Lord. This is why, although I am a strong believer in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I am not fond of some of the language that we have created to explain it. Okay. I'm going to step on some toes for about two seconds, and you all know I'll hop right back off of them. I'm not that heavy. We've created languages, I think, that are divisive. And I think one thing, oh boy, I, I probably shouldn't get on this, but it, I'm, gonna, I'm going to. We've created language that is divisive, and we say things like this, well, are you a spirit-filled church? And I know what we mean by that in the Pentecostal charismatic realm and much of the non-denominational realm, such as we are, that, you know, I understand the connotation that we believe in the Free flow of the gifts of the Spirit. That we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That we believe in this. And I understand that. But, but are we saying that everyone else is not? I mean, do we not believe that there is an inflow of the Holy Spirit? That there is a filling of the Holy Spirit that comes by faith? That when a person believes that the Holy Spirit comes into their life and they're not even able to say Jesus is Lord except by that filling of the Holy Spirit in their life? And so, I mean, I kind of back away from some of that language that's divisive because I believe that if it is a Jesus-believing church, 
I believe that if, if they are Jesus-confessing people, that they are Spirit-filled people, whether they understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit or not. I think for me, in my life, one of the most powerful examples of that would be my own personal grandmother. My, my grandmother, Griffin, was as devout Southern Baptist and as opposite Pentecostal as you can possibly get. My Southern Baptist grandma taught youth Sunday school class until she was 90 years old at Mims Memorial Baptist Church in Conroe, Texas. They loved her. We loved her. And if I would subscribe to this this idea over here that because she hasn't experienced the gifts of the Spirit in the, in, in the way by which I had experienced them, if I would subscribe to that, then I would say that she had no Spirit at all within her of the Holy Ghost. But yet, she demonstrated in her life year after year after year after year the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, the lady was one of the most fruitful, bearing people you've ever seen on the face of the planet, and she loved God. I mean, she was more devout in some areas than I was. I mean, this is going to offend five of you, but I've already done that. So, um, um, <laughs> I thought I'd be funny one day as a young person. We were standing around. Grandma and granddaddy had come, come to eat with us. They, they came every Sunday, but they did not come every Sunday to eat. And Uncle Bob, Aunt Brenda, Grandma, and Granddaddy, they would drive the 15 miles to Porter, Texas from Conroe to have Sunday chat along. It, it really, honestly, it drove me nuts. But this particular Sunday, they came to eat, and I don't know what got into me. Mark Lober, you're going to you're gonna have to slap me, okay, after this is over. So you just say, what got? into you. I don't know what got into me, but, but uh, we're standing around, and there's Grandma and Granddaddy, and we always had a way of, like, de-impressing them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it was my turn. It was my turn to de-impress Grandma. You know what I'm saying? And so my mom goes, okay, son, dinner's ready. Who's going to pray? I say, I will. Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Oh, my Robert came from my grandma. Robert, don't ever let me hear you say the Lord's name in vain again. And I mean, the whole room just went still quiet as our devout Southern Baptist grandmother gave me a lesson in reverence to the name of God. Oh, it washed over her. Consequently, that's probably the, the only, I just said, I only tell that when, I only say that when I tell that story. <laughs> it, it made an impression on me. And, and can, I, can I live my life and say that my grandmother Griffin didn't have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit working in her life? Absolutely not. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this overflow of that filling. 
See, I love what, what is said in Luke 7, 37, and I love the idea that, that we get the words of Jesus and then we get the commentary from, from the writer, I'm sorry, rather John. If I gave you Luke, go to John. John 7, 37. I don't know what I was doing when I was typing that. But I love the commentary. In John seven thirty seven. it says, On the last and great day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, listen, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then here's the commentary. By this he meant the Spirit. From those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. But I love the way this says and I love uh, you know, the idea of this understanding that, that, that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an overflow of the Spirit that is there. That there is a bubbling up on the inside and rivers of living water will flow out of the individual in baptism flow out in our lives and bring powerful understanding and powerful revelation to our life. Matter of fact, this is confirmed in Acts 1-4 through 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth that that there is an experience coming to you that's going to make this earthly thing pale in comparison. So, I mean, here are these disciples. The, Jesus has resurrected from the dead, and, and, and he's about to ascend to the Father, and, 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 and he's talking about the Holy Spirit baptism. He's talking about this enduing of power in your life. He's talking about these supernatural things that are going to take place for them and in them. And in the midst of that, all they're worried about is whether or not they're going to have a king on the throne in Jerusalem. I mean, all they're worried about, they're still thinking that Jesus Christ came to establish a political kingdom. And he's speaking to them and saying, you don't even need to think about that. You don't even worry about that. The Father's got that in control. But what you need to understand is that you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses on this earth. And your witness is going to have authority because of that baptism. Your witness is going to be endued with power. and There is going to be an empowering in your life that is going to be amazing. And, and I think that it's really something because after they receive this baptism in Acts chapter 2, you never see them go back to a political kingdom mentality. You never see them go back to worrying about what's happening in the rulership of the country of Israel. You never see them go back to that. Something happens in their life where there's a different focus. And that focus turns to those spiritual things. That focus turns to the fact that 
Jesus Christ came into this world not to establish a throne in Jerusalem for the nation of Israel. He came to establish a throne in the kingdom of God whereby the church operates in this world in divine power. And what a thought that really is for us today to understand, to embrace in our lives that the Holy Spirit has not come into this world to be some passive entity that is just over there somewhere, but that the Holy Spirit is here to empower us to be the people that God has called us to be. Jesus promised them that this experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit would empower their witness. This experience was an example throughout the book of Acts. In Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, this baptism was accompanied by supernatural languages or tongues. In Acts 4, 31, this baptism was accompanied by supernatural boldness. In Acts 10, 45, this baptism was accompanied by supernatural languages or tongues again. In Acts 13, 52, this baptism was accompanied by supernatural joy. In Acts 19, 6, this baptism was accompanied by supernatural language or tongues again. And prophecy. But this is what we need to recognize, that something happened in the life of the believer as a result of this overflow of the Holy Spirit that is working in their life. That something dynamically powerful was working in them. In every instance, there is a supernatural expression that empowers the witness of the one in which the Holy Spirit is overflowing through baptism. And I think the kingdom of God is looking to produce some people who are not satisfied with that initial filling of the Holy Spirit at conversion. But are looking, searching for an overflow. Searching for an overflow that empowers their life like never before. I say this in my notes and I say this from my heart. I don't want to just say I'm a Christian. I want to be a Christian who is walking in supernatural power. I just do. And I think most people do. They just don't know how. Maybe you're afraid of, maybe you've heard stories and tales, and I, I realize that some bad, bad theology has happened in this realm. My desire today is to spark interest in the ongoing supernatural expression of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Maybe for the first time, maybe to rekindle something that has, has laid dormant in your life for several years, or, or, or maybe just to give you a pat on the back to say, hey, God's still at work in me. See, I'm not asking us to have a Pentecostal experience or a charismatic experience. I'm asking us to seek a Holy Spirit experience. Just, just to be whelmed by Him. Just to be whelmed by Him in our life that there is a supernatural expression that takes place, that suddenly we realize that the Holy Spirit is not dead. But He is living in me, and He is flowing out of me. 
in supernatural expression. Whether it's languages or joy or prophesying. I will tell you this, the Holy Spirit wants to be active in your life. However that is expressed, just to know that God is real and that God is moving and that God is active in us right now. Several years ago, when you go through Growth Track, we talk about some of the fundamental doctrines of our church and and one of those is the recognition of the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. In Growth Track 101, we cover that in, in just... There's so much to cover. We, we don't go in depth, but we just mention it. Back before we were doing Growth Track, I used to have um, new member orientation. It went from new member class that like took forever. Like you, couldn't be a, you, like you couldn't have any functioning part of the church unless you went through like a 13-week grueling thing. And then somehow or another, I squeezed it down until we got to new member orientation. Some of you probably went through new member orientation with, with me back in the day. And, and uh, we would do that after our Sunday uh, morning service. And we'd just steal off into a room and I'd go over some of the basic things of the church. And I still would cover some of the basic doctrines of the church. Because I figure, you know, if I'm going to set roots down in a church and join a church, I at least want to know what they believe. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if for me personally, if I was going to do that, I'd, <laughs> you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to say, yeah, I want to be a member and then find out five weeks later that, you know, we pray to Akhmedahad, you know what I'm saying, or something, you know, like, what God is that, you know, well, like, and, and three times a month we bow to Venus or something, you know, I wouldn't want to, you know what I'm saying, that'd be kind of shocking, and so I, you know, I, <laughs> I cover that, I, I'll never forget a, a, a gentleman who had, who had a, who had a um, non-Pentecostal charismatic upbringing all his life. We were, the, we were a church that um, his wife was very familiar with, with, um, with that, but he was um, almost, almost diametrically opposed to it, you know, because of the teaching that he had received in his life that didn't believe in the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit. And... Um, we went through the class, and, and, and I was, a, be honest with you, I was a little nervous for him when I got to that part because I knew where he was at theologically. But, you know, I mean, I know where I am theologically, and so I just say, this is, this is the deal. Here we are. And I spit that out, and after the class was over, it, take, it took about 45 minutes. After the class was over, he's standing there holding, he's standing there holding that, that membership form, you know, uh, just standing there holding that thing that like, I want to join the church. But, but he's, and he's got it almost all filled out except it wasn't signed and he was just sitting there holding it and he's waiting to talk to me. And so I knew he was. I stepped up to him and it, it, it said something to him. He said, okay, I just want to know before I sign this. He said, I just want you to know, man, I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff. And I thought in myself, I said, oh boy, here it comes. But no, this is the next words out of his mouth. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. If you don't try to throw something on me, I don't understand. I won't try to take away something you do. Do you think I can still come to church here? I want to put your name on that line, brother. Absolutely. 
years went by. They, they've moved since to another state, but years went by. One day I, I got a phone call from him, and he was so excited on the other end of the phone, and he's like this, Pastor Rob, Pastor Rob, I just got to tell you something. Pastor Rob, I just got to tell you something. I'm like, what you need to tell me? He's like, there might be something to that Holy Spirit stuff. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, man, somebody called me and they had a need. And all of a sudden, man, I just thought something that I had never thought of before. And I told them what I was thinking. And he said, man, they, they just lit up on the other end of the phone. They said, man, that answers the question right there. He said, when I hung that phone up, I knew right there the Holy Spirit had spoke to me. I knew right there that the Holy Spirit had spoke to me. <laughs> You don't try to throw something on me and I won't take something away from you. And here's a man that's growing in his faith to understand that, wait a minute, maybe the Holy Spirit is real. This is what I'm asking for us today is set a course in your life to pray about it. Because I know I'm speaking to people on both sides of the line and I'm, I'm saying today that if you will inquire about it, search the scripture about it. Probably in about... 24 hours or so. This message will be available on iTunes and whatever that is you did. Listen to it again. Stitcher, iTunes and Stitcher. Listen to it again. It's free. Listen to it again. Roll this back over in your life and just pray about it that perhaps... Perhaps this thing really is real that the Holy Spirit will work in my life with a supernatural expression. I don't think that's too much to ask. As I invite you to stand with me this morning, I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come forward. And if you would like to pray concerning this baptism, this overflow of the Holy Spirit, I invite you to come forward today and say, you know what, would you pray with me? That the Lord would open my eyes to this, that I would be able to see this. And if you're in this house today, you say, you know what, Pastor, those gifts are in me, but boy, they've been laying dormant. Can I just stir you up today to say, stir up the gift? I mean, isn't that what Paul told Timothy? Stir up the gift that is in you. Stir it up. Don't let that thing lay so dormant in your life that there's no supernatural expression of the Holy Spirit around you. I'm, I'm calling us, church. Listen, I am calling us to supernatural expression of the Holy Spirit. That's really what I'm doing today. I'm calling us to supernatural expression of the Holy Spirit. We need the active work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need it. We need it in our church. We need it in our families. You need to be able to speak a word at your job tomorrow that will bring peace to somebody. Your boss may be going crazy because he don't know what to do. And you may have the word from the Holy Spirit for that boss. That supernatural expression of prophecy in your life would speak out and speak something to them as that Spirit of God overflows out of your life into those that are around you, into those that are around you. <sighs> would you just pray about it? Father, I thank you right now for your word. I thank you right now for this available opportunity. This opportunity that we have in your presence to experience something that is beyond this world, but it is supernatural. 
And I am asking you today that you would spark interest in every heart, spark interest in every life, that the power and the glory and the majesty of our God would, would be confirmed with signs following. Let there be a supernatural expression of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I thank you for this right now. In Jesus' name, if you are here today, as every head's bowed, if you are here today, you say, you know, Pastor, I need a fresh start today. I need my faith to be rekindled or maybe started even for the first time. And I would like to pray that, that the Lord would give me that fresh start. Would you just slip a hand up and say, that's me in my life. I need a fresh start. Thank you, Father. All right, if you put your hands down, would you pray with me, Father? I declare right now that Jesus is Lord. I am thankful that God raised Christ from the dead for me. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you would help me, that you would save me, that you would refresh me in your presence. I thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, let's rejoice with these that have prayed this prayer. Our prayer partners are coming forward. If you're on the prayer partner list today, would you please come forward?